0: Seattle, Washington. I'm Zach Jabal, and this is a Hair podcast, Next Round Conversation. We're bringing you these conversations uh, in between our regular podcasts so we can explore a range of issues and stories in the drinks world. And today I'm speaking with Jennifer Estevez, co-founder at Palette Club. Jennifer, thanks so much for your time.
1: Thanks so much, Zach. Excited to be here.
0: Yeah, we're glad to have you. Um, Let's start with just a little bit of background about you. So kind of how did you get involved in wine and, and maybe what were you doing professionally before Palette Club?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I got involved in wine when I was 21 years old. I ended up working at a Ritz-Carlton as my summer job and had a delicious glass of white burgundy for um, a wine training that uh, our wine director was hosting. And it was just delicious. It was a PYCM Cinnabon. I still remember it. And it just made me fall in love with wine and the potential of wine. And I, I loved it so much, I ended up uh, moving from where I was, which was Arizona at the time, and just picking up with 450 bucks in a suitcase and heading out to San Francisco to try to dig into the wine world a little bit further. And so once I got into San Francisco, I worked around uh, the city at many different wine bars and Michelin-starred restaurants, one of the most memorable being RN74 and Michael Mina. And I just... Dug in from there, continued my studies and got my advanced sommelier certificate around the time that I also began uh, consulting on restaurants and hospitality programs. And so my genesis into Palette Club was really synonymous with my genesis into my company, Om Vino which I realized kind of around that time, there was just a lot of needs that were specific to the food and beverage industry that weren't being met, you know, marketing communications in the food and beverage industry via Omvino were definitely something that was in need and they needed people who understood food and wine. And similarly in the online wine club space, you know, there was just a gap between that true consumer connection and these online wine club applications that were under or over promising and under delivering. So, yep.
0: Yeah. And I think that's, that's actually a great lead into where I wanted to go next and, and wanted to kind of talk about. So, you know, we have certainly on the podcast talked about wine clubs um, in the past. I was, you know, anyone who is like likes wine and is on social media gets lots of ads um, for them. And I, I think one thing that was interesting to me, it um, is interesting to talk about is with some of those other clubs, you see claims about, oh, you know, we'll match you with the perfect wines and, um, you know, Leave everything to us. So, so let's start first of all with like, how does Palette Club work, and, and how does the the sort of matching component of it uh, work from a from the sort of customer standpoint?
1: Great question. So, with a lot of these other wine clubs, they try to either do one of two things. They try to define the consumer profile. And they try to d- define the wine profile. And there's really no online wine clubs out there besides Palate Club that I'm aware of that are doing both and have the data to back it up. So what makes Palate Club really special is it was created by wine professionals along with professional data scientists. And so what we essentially did was we created a custom algorithm an IP where we could input up to 200 scent and taste characteristics about each bottle of wine into the back end of Palette Club, So the wine profiles are very detailed and we put a lot of time and thought into what characteristics of the wine matter for the consumer palate. And so then the consumer portion of the experience is very easy. They rate things on a scale of one to five. And so we just put time into analyzing the data that came up and understanding, you know, what trends were occurring in these different, um, in these different patterns that we we're seeing, so we can more accurately adjust the algorithm to really deliver a satisfying consumer experience, just as if a sommelier was, you know, selecting these wines for these people. And we also create great wines, um, and we source great wines for Palette Club, which I think between those two things is the really big differentiator between us and our competition.
0: Sure. So let's start with one part of this that I'm I'm particularly interested in, which is this idea of you know, kind of all these different components, um, smell, taste, et cetera, that, that you and the, the your fellow kind of wine experts um, at Pellet Club have assessed these wines on. When you first started out, how did you kind of figure out or decide, okay, a wine might have all these different characteristics, but, but inherently some of them are going to be more important or more sort of determinative of whether someone likes a wine or not? How did you kind of figure out which ones really mattered?
1: So when we were going through the process of creating the systems in the back end of the app, we really had to think about what do consumers really look for and what parts of the sensory experience are important to them. And so when we're looking at things, you know, it's not as important in the wine, for example, if you get a note of blackberry, right? We do put that in as a descriptor, but where does that factor into the overall relevance of this bottle profile? It's definitely lower on the list of priorities, right? But things such as complexity, acid, alcohol, tannin, structural components of the wine that every wine has – our higher priority in terms of determining what people really want and what people really are paying attention to. And often, why we feel that palate club is so relevant, people don't understand what these really important integral components mean. I had in so many times when I worked in a restaurant as a sommelier, people would come up to me and they'd say, "I want um, a sweet dry wine," and I'd be like, "Okay, <laughs> so." We understand that those two things do not work together, but, you know, how can we figure out what you want? So we try to figure out and fill in around that, you know, as sommeliers. And now from a data perspective, what these people really want based on kind of these ratings. And again, the things that all wines have, tactile sensations and like objective qualities such as, um, you know, alcohol, acid, tannin, structure, all those things are relevant. And then one thing that we also found, you know, was complexity, complexity is a really important weight in the conversation as well. And defining that complexity is really important to have sommeliers who understand the bandwidth and the spectrum of complexity to put it in properly from a data perspective.
0: Very cool. Okay. So we're going to diverge a little bit from my planned line of questioning, because now I'm just curious about this. So I've, I've long believed as a sommelier and wine professional that, despite the fact that so much of the conversation around wine, whether it's consumer media or, or the way that people are kind of taught to learn about wine, it sort of overly emphasizes flavors and aromas. You know, we've all read the tasting notes that are kind of preposterously specific about the exact kind of, you know, wild mountain strawberry that you might find in a wine. But that really what drives people's preferences is, as you described, much more these sort of structural elements of the wine that that most people don't really learn to identify. Does that sound right? I mean, do you find that, that those structural elements are a much better predictor of uh, whether a given customer will enjoy a wine or not than, you know, I don't know, Mulberry or whatever?
1: A hundred percent. Yeah, I think that those arbitrary tasting notes are kind of like arbitrary wine critic scores. They're very subjective just based on people's personal preferences and descriptions of the wine. That's why I think that when you look at uh, apps like Vivino, I find Vivino to be very, very interesting from a technological standpoint, but they crowdsource, you know, the ratings from they're people who are creating these ratings on the app using keywords, right? So how accurate is that into benchmarking what the actual wine qualities are? It's not. And so, you know, when you're looking at things that are really important to the wine, again, the objective qualities such as acid, alcohol, tannin, and um, sweetness uh, are very important along with the main characteristics so we we basically created different um, overarching categories that we also found uh, were very important that were not just you know subject or not just objective characteristics. So if the wine was more dominant towards you know earthy characteristics, we could basically tell that by a percentage rating when we rate the wines right and so that would be something we'd gravitate gravitate towards people who have earthy palates. And so for example, when I'm talking about earth, you know, let's say this wine has like mushroom, umami, savory, meaty characteristics, and those are some of the primary dominating descriptors, right? Instead of just picking out one of those like singular things and saying this blackberry or like you know this mushroom note is the most important thing, we look at these percentage values and just see where that art goes and see that, you know, this is the dominant characteristic of the wine what's the dominant characteristic of these people's palates, like the blackberries, the, like the chocolates, the blueberries. Does that stand out more? Do we gravitate them more towards like fruit and sweet uh, flavors, not tactile sensations. And that's kind of how we clump all of these, these different um, profiles, but it's just creating these generalities between scents and taste that create different subcategories. And then also using those objective characteristics like that are inarguably there for every wine.
0: Does that make sense? it does. Yeah. I mean, not being a data scientist, it only kind of makes sense, but, but, but the wine part of it makes sense to me. So I want to, I want to ask a couple of more questions, um, sort of along these lines, and then maybe we'll talk about some other elements of the, of palate Club. So cool. I, I know we spoke, um, prior to this about, um, you know, a little bit of, uh, of the program as well. And one thing that you mentioned then that I, that stuck with me is this idea that, you know, sort of through data, the data that you collect from your, customers, you can sort of start to see that there are these kind of clusters of wine drinkers that have sort of similar tastes. And I was hoping you could kind of talk a little bit about maybe how many of those kind of categories there are and, and are they kind of roughly equal in size? Or is there like one big, you know, kind of category and a bunch of sort of subcategories? Like how does that, how do you see the wine drinking public breaking out?
1: Yeah, we've divided it into eight main categories. And then people can also take a look at their detailed profiles and see kind of what characteristics come up from a percentage standpoint and what those characteristics mean in the app. So the general categories are kind of a better way. like we give them fun names like the Sicilian and the sexy beast. And you know we, we give people these just categories to think of themselves in terms of their wine palettes in, but we also give them more context to what it means. Like if you go in the app, you can click on all of these different um, different descriptors. And tactile sensations and ask, what does this mean? You know, what does it mean that I like medium plus acid? How is that relevant? And what wines does this correlate to? And we'll have just like some Q&A there. Uh, I went in that myself in the early days of palette Club and wrote in just different descriptors. And, you know, we've revised them many times over. But just to answer the, the other part of your question, there's not really a trend that's the thing that people really get stuck on. You know, I think often they don't know what they like and why. And people's taste is so diverse. We're often so much more open to different types of wine than we think. And it's really individually based on, you know, what people's preferences are that they may not even understand. You know, the world of wine is so vast.
0: Yeah. Well, and that's a fascinating point, I think, that, that I'm curious to hear more about. So you know one thing that i think um you know you and i probably have both experienced in our time working the floors of restaurants is you go to a table and you kind of get a sense a little bit for maybe what they've liked to drink in the past and you have to make a bit of a decision as a sommelier or a person recommending the wine do i want to kind of be like oh you like you know napa cab um that's what you've said to me great here are the seven napa cabs i have you know which one is you know in your price range or or maybe i'll talk a little bit about them and we'll differentiate or you kind of have to make the decision hey, I'm going to try and see if I can't open something for you that you might not be familiar with. You know, maybe it's a different um, Cabernet from a different part of the world or a different variety entirely or whatever, right? And part of the, you know, the sort of hard-to-define skill of a good sommelier is A, knowing when and where to make those kinds of suggestions versus when to just sort of say, let's get you what you we know you like, and B, kind of the, you know, actual <laughs> accuracy of those suggestions that go outside of someone's existing um sort of flavor profile. So how does Palette Club balance giving people more of what they've already shown they liked versus potentially kind of allowing them to explore something that might be a little less familiar?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So that's something that I definitely think we tried to create and we've had really great feedback from our current customers on it. What we have is a randomization option And so the randomization option isn't totally random. We're not just throwing bottles out there and in your club shipments, hoping they stick. It basically creates deviations from your profile, right? So like each time when we have a deviation, it'll be like, okay, so these people like X, Y, Z. So now let's try wines that have like, let's say they like, you know, earthy, high acid, like structured wines, right? So let's say they are just Barolo lovers. So, now what can we think about that ties into similar characteristics as Barolo and at least a few of these categories? Okay, maybe we're going to try like some Dolcetto. Or like, you know, maybe we're going to try something like just structurally like similar, but like it's from a different region, like whatever it is, we'll tie on to, we'll latch onto just a few of those characteristics. And then the system auto generates recommendations based on that. Like, you know, for example, you like Napa Cabernet. Maybe you're going to love some aglianico you know, whatever it is, just something fun and unique from a different area. But that has similar structural and taste profiles. Um whatever it is, it, it can get more or less similar to what your profile is like based on the level of randomization you select. So that's an option in the, yeah, that's an option in the order um, section when you're going to your checkout.
0: And then as far as, so let's sort of switch things up and talk about kind of sourcing of wine. So I know you mentioned um, at the beginning that, you know, part of the, obviously the, the, you know, the technology is a big part of this and having the ability to offer, you know, sort of Quality suggestions is, is good, but at the same time, you also have to have quality wines. So, kind of how how have you connected with um, you know suppliers, producers, etc. And and kind of what does the catalog of wines, such as it is, look like?
1: Yeah, absolutely. For Palette Club, we have traveled literally all over the world and just met with producers from different countries to try to find really unique selections. And we work with small distributors, et cetera, here in the States. And we just try to find wines that are unique and offer value at a diversity of price points. We favor sustainable and organic artisan wines whenever possible, biodynamic as well. And that's really something that we just don't want to compromise. So many of these clubs just source bulk juice and put a label on it. And it's just not offering quality. Their user retention is lower because of that. And so that's something that we've done from the beginning. And it was really fun and a pleasure to do. You know, like I traveled to Australia, France, Italy, Germany, all these places. And I'm trying to think where else. Um, Australia, I said, <laughs> there was just so many wonderful places. Oh, South, South America South, and, uh, and uh, South Africa as well. So I basically with you know one of the other co-founders of Palette Club, we traveled everywhere just to, to find these different producers to build these relationships and to just champion what wine fresh should really be about, which is connection and quality product. And so that's connection and quality product not just in the wines, but also you know for the consumers. So it's really important for us to deliver, deliver that whole um, full circle experience.
0: And as far as, I mean, I think another thing that can be potentially challenging for, I mean, any kind of wine club but online, I feel like even maybe more so than in person, is, you know, how do you kind of establish categories as far as pricing goes? Because, you know, people are going to have different budgets. And, you know, is it is it kind of a narrow range or is there a wide range of uh, price points for wines a, a, through Palette Club or, or kind of how does that work?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So with Palette Club beforehand, we were doing a tiered system. So we had just different price point tiers and we're moving away from that. And that is just launching. Essentially, people can just set what their budget is and how many wines they like to get. And then we'll generate wines that are appropriate within that category for their shipment and with their taste in mind. So it's really customizable and it's really flexible. And again, as much as humanly possible, we want this to be a human experience delivered via an app. We want it to be customized. We want it to be hospitable. We don't want you to have to call, you know, five different numbers to cancel your subscription. And we want you to get wine that you want. And that's really what we've tried to do with those different features.
0: Gotcha. And so um, I know you mentioned this at the beginning, and and I'm curious also, you know, you mentioned that uh, one of the ways in which, or the main way in which Pal Club kind of generates a profile for someone is that um, a subscriber you know, rates wines that they've received on a one to five scale. And then you obviously kind of look at that feedback and, and look at kind of patterns in there. A, how did that, how does that start for someone? Cause obviously, you know, with zero wines, they're, they're picking blind and B kind of how long does it take before you feel like you get an accurate picture of an individual person's uh, preferences?
1: So with people who are coming on board via the tasting kit, we have a blind tasting kit that we start people off with, with four half bottles, either red or white. And we use those bottles. They're all very contrastingly different. We use them kind of like bookends for defining your palette, like defining the spectrum, the high, low end of all these different qualities uh, that need to be considered when thinking about what a person's palette gravitates towards. And so that is the best way to do it and the fastest way to get a really accurate palette screenshot um, and just palette profile built out. And the palate profile continues to change and refine itself over time, the more and more wine you drink. So it's really fun. You get to unlock different secrets about your palate in the app as you go. But then if people come on through the quiz option, we have a regular quiz and then a connoisseur quiz, which we're developing. And essentially with these quizzes, you know, again, there was just a missing ingredient for many of these other companies when they're tying in these quizzes to the wines that they have in their selection. You know, I took a quiz the other day where I was just testing it out. You know, I'm always looking at the competitive set, right? I took this quiz and I was just checking boxes like, yes, I like chocolate. Yes, I like coffee, whatever. And wondering if it ties into anything factual. I did not select anything that was overly sweet, that was overly, you know, like fruity. And somehow at the end of this quiz, I got Moscato d'Asti and like sparkling Riesling. I was very confused. And so with our quiz, you know, we have a quiz. We do think that the general palette, um, the the general blind tasting is more accurate. But with the quiz, we tie in the questions that we ask about the foods and the ingredients and the things that we have in there to actual data points. So, you know, if I'm asking you, if you like dark chocolate like bitter dark chocolate, that means for me that you probably like tannin and more astringent, bigger wines. So it's just something that, again, it has to be correlated to more of a data point rather than just a consumer preference when consumers don't really know. I hope that answers your question.
0: Well, and like kind of how how many of these data points do you need before you get kind of the right, a relatively accurate portrait of the consumer?
1: It really depends because it depends kind of on how the data points cluster. It okay. just depends on you know it, it's good when you're taking in data points to get like 10 or 12, at least, that are outstanding, important data points. But it's really subjective, just kind of based on what the user's profile gravitate towards. And it's harder to benchmark that with the quiz itself again. But with the profile, when you're building it from the wine perspective, you just need to taste four wines for it to start generating a really accurate profile.
0: Excellent. Well, Jennifer, this has been super interesting. Um, for people who are interested, what's the where do they go to find out more?
1: You can go to www.palletclub.com.
0: Nice and simple. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Uh, Learn a little more about this and um, uh, look forward to uh, seeing as the, you know, data evolves further. Uh, It's always interesting. You know, we at VinePair are obviously super fascinated by data and, and how we can learn about ourselves and each other through it. So it's cool to see that people are doing that in the wine club space as well.
1: Yeah. Thank you.